would like to turn to Philippians. That is where we're going again. Well, I had opportunity to uh, attend seminary, and it was an opportunity, and I, I loved my professors, but one professor in particular that I really thought was great was Dr. Dwyer. He's going to be our speaker at Family Camp this year, and uh, I remember something that Dr. Dwyer said in my New Testament class in seminary. He said, as a pastor, don't go around shooting all over her. I thought that was clever. Shoulding, I pronounced that very carefully. Okay? We're not supposed to go around shoulding all over people. Well, you know, you should, or you shouldn't, or this, you know what I'm saying? That's not our job as pastors. That's not our job as Christians. And that's why this particular passage that we're looking at today um, is interesting to me. Because in this passage today, the Apostle Paul tells us that we should do something. So every time I read something in Scripture where it says, you should do this, I always think of Dr. Dwight. And I'm always careful about how I preach a passage like this. Well, I, I'm on the search for joy. You know, we've been looking at Philippians now for four Sundays in a row. And I, my, my original plan was I was just going to preach Philippians. got four chapters. So I thought, I'm just going to preach four sermons in Philippians, one sermon, one chapter per week, and then I'm going on vacation. I barely made it to chapter two. So I'm sorry, I guess. I don't know. The Lord just has much for us in this. We'll have to come back and finish Philippians when I get It'll be good. Well, I'm on a search for joy, and I've been, I've been challenging you. Have you been on a search for joy? Have you been looking for joy? in your everyday, as we've been looking in Philippians. I hope you have. I hope you have. We've already found six things in our looking at Philippians about joy. Do you remember what they are? Number one, joy begins with humility. Number two, Christians partnering together bring joy. Number three, the gospel advancing brings joy. Number four, joy and unity go together. Number five, suffering for Christ brings joy. Number six, joy is found when we put ourselves above other people. I said that backwards. Did you catch it? I just want to make sure you listen. Joy is found when you put other people above ourselves. <clears throat> Would you pray with me? Lord God, it is my desire that as we open this scripture that you would speak to us and that we would be challenged to be different when we leave because of your word. We open up now our minds and our hearts to receive from you, Holy Spirit, out of your word what you have for us. Speak, Holy Spirit, your people are listening. Amen. Well, Philippians, we
We, we started last week with Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. I want, to, I want to just read that one verse to bring us into what we're looking at today. So Philippians chapter 1, verse 27 says, Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Just like I said last week, if, if Christians just did that, like we'd, we'd probably just be done with everything else. Like That's enough. Conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Christ. And remember, last week I reminded you what that gospel is, that good news that we hold on to. The gospel of Christ is the good news. It's the good news of salvation for us. It's an incredible cause for joy. It's the kind of joy that, that goes beyond our circumstances because we know eternity. We know what eternity holds for us. And it's good. That's what has been purchased for us. It's not something we can earn. And then later, at the beginning of chapter 2, Paul says, if you have any encouragement for being united with Christ, and then he goes on and talks about what that union with Christ means. Our passage today continues that flow of thought. And that flow of thought goes something like this. Conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel. And then Paul says, be unified and expect to suffer. And then Paul says, you are united with Christ. And complete joy is found when your life reflects his love. Be humble. Put others before yourself. So that was the summary of my message from last week. And then today, imitate Christ. Today we're going to look at one short passage in Philippians. This section is probably the most studied part of the entire letter of Philippians. And, by the way, this section we're going to read today is one of the most hotly debated sections of Scripture in all of the New Testament, in all of the Bible. So, Christians and scholars, academics, have been debating this part of Scripture and, and writing about this part of Scripture more than any other. In fact, thousands of pages, and I would be willing to think gallons of ink, have been shed on this passage of Scripture today. <clears throat> Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. I approach this passage of Scripture with fear and trembling. Because I fear I will not be able to communicate the profoundness of this passage in such a way that you leave here changed. Let me say that again in another way so that you might grasp my intent. This passage of Scripture will change you if you are willing to open your heart to God through it. It will change you. 
From the moment we are born until the moment when we die, our natural tendency is to preserve ourselves. We usually do this by seeking an advantage for ourselves in any and every way possible. I mean, just think about what little kids do. Their goal is self-preservation, right? Their goal is to do whatever they need to do to make sure that they are provided for. I, I think most adults are about in that same stage. And if you think about it, the natural tendency that is present in all human beings is a corrupting force that often leads to some of the worst kinds of evil. As a few rise to the top and secure for themselves advantages at the expense of those below them. Did you get that? That's the natural tendency of humankind. The natural tendency that we are born with is that we grasp and claw to get higher regardless of who has to go lower because of the grasping and the clawing. That is, that is the natural, that is the normal human condition. The incarnation of Jesus gives us a shining example of the exact opposite. The exact opposite of this advantage-seeking and dominating human nature. And it is the attitude of Christ that Paul is encouraging us to imitate. I mean, the, just the first, the first verse of this is just powerful. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. You know, you know in most conversations, I would like to just refer to that. Okay, so in various church conversations or, or any, com you, you bring it up. Whatever conversation you want to, okay? So let's talk about abortion for a second. Somebody wants to talk about abortion. You know what you can say? If you're, if you're talking to a Christian, okay? Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. If you're talking about COVID or vaccinations or face masks, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. If you're talking about racial inequality, talking about George Floyd, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. I mean, this is kind of WWJD, but it's more than that. Because what does your attitude, what is an attitude? Like, it's, it's the way that you are. It's like the thing inside you, you can't help but comes out. That is what attitude. I mean, you can hide, you can fake an attitude for a little while, but you can't do it forever. You can't be consistent forever, unless what's in your heart is what is actually coming out. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ. Jesus. And, you know, I'm happy because what Paul does next is he describes exactly what he's talking about. So, Paul is about to tell us exactly the attitude of Christ that we are supposed to imitate or emulate. You ready? Verses 6 and 7. Who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Now, one of the reasons that so much ink has been shed on this passage of Scripture is because this is one of the most clear passages of Scripture that theologically describes the incarnation of Jesus Christ. 
Christ. It's profound. You see, he, this word incarnation, I say this every year at Christmas, you know, we, we sing about the incarnation. Uh, the way I like to describe the incarnation, I've, I've said it before, so if you've heard this, I'm sorry, but it's worth saying again. If you go to a Mexican restaurant and you order carne asada, okay? Carne asada, carne asada. Asada means grilled. Carne is meat or flesh. It's steak, okay? Carne asada. The word carne in Spanish has the same root that derives from this word in Greek. Incarnation. In the flesh. It's how, you, it's how you can remember what incarnation is. Carnation is up. In the flesh. What does this mean that Jesus is in the flesh? Well, it means a couple of interesting things. Who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. You know what that means? You, you, you know this, but it's worth saying again. Jesus existed before he became a human being. Jesus existed before he was born to Mary in Bethlehem that day, 2,000 some years ago. And we know this from the Gospel of John, also. John chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And if you jump to verse 14, John defies what the Word is. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of one and only, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. The Word of God is Jesus. The Word of God has existed eternally and will continue to exist eternally. Jesus existed before he became a human being. He existed as one of the persons of the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Jesus was pre-existent before he became human. Now this, this is like mind-blowing stuff. It's, we're not going to be able to easily wrap our mind around this. But if you go back to Philippians, consider again, who being in very nature God, and that, that word, nature, that's a tough one in Greek. Like, some translations say, in the form of God. This nature of God, this is something that's hard to grab our minds around. I, in seminary, again, I had it described like this. God is one substance, and that substance is something that does not exist in our universe. There are three persons made of that substance. And that substance is only those three persons. Jesus is God. But he's a person. The Father is God, but is a person. The Holy Spirit is God, and the Holy Spirit is a person. It's interesting, Bill, you, re you re referred to, to the Holy Spirit, and I say the Holy Spirit as it this morning. Did you know that? The Holy Spirit's a person. It is appropriate to refer to the Holy Spirit as he, as a personal pronoun. The Holy Spirit's not just an impersonal force, but a person with a personality who is interacting with us. All right. The other thing I wanted to look here is, if you go to verse 7, but made himself nothing. Now, nothing is another tricky word. Remember I said gallons of ink have been spilled on this. 
In other translations, it's instead of made himself nothing, it is he emptied himself. Now this is tricky, because here's something about Jesus that you need to understand. And it's just as difficult as the Trinity, the three in one. And that's that Jesus is 100% God. And the Incarnation tells us that Jesus is also 100% human. So let me do a math equation for you. What is 100% plus 100%? 100%. It's not 200%. I know you'd like it to be 200 because that would make sense in my brain. Jesus is all God and he's all man and all of those things are 100%. But he's not. See, some people think he was 50% God 50% man. No. He's all God and he's all man. And yet our brains go boom with this because here's the problem. One of the attributes of God is that he's infinite. One of the attributes of us is that we are not infinite. We are finite. How does an infinite go into a finite? You ready for the answer? I don't know. <laughs> and you don't either. And nobody else does. This is one of those mysteries. It fits in the same category as just try to think about eternity. It fits into that category. Right? Or try to think about the other way. Maybe the other way is even harder. Try to think about the fact that God doesn't have a beginning. You know why you can't think about it? Because everything we know has a beginning and an end. Everything does. So when we try to think about a category that doesn't have a beginning or an end, we, our brain just goes, like smoke comes out, right? It's the same way with, this same issue happens with Jesus being 100% God, 100% man. But he is. He is. Notice I didn't say he was. He is. So, whew. I don't want to get all tangled up into this, but I do want you to realize something. Jesus is all-powerful, all-knowing, divine, and he chose to make himself nothing. He chose to empty himself. He chose that. I wonder, what would you have done with omnipotence? How would you have spent it? I think I know how I would. And it probably wouldn't be the way Jesus did. Look at the next verse, verse 8. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. And this is where you thought the Trinity was hard to understand, and you thought how Jesus being 100% God and 100% man was hard to understand. I just discovered something that's even more difficult to understand. The way God chose to use his power. If you had all power, and let's say, let's say your heart was pure, okay? If you think of someone with a pure heart and they had all power, don't you suppose they would have cured cancer? 
Wouldn't that be good? In fact, why don't we just stop war? You know, we could probably just stop diseases from happening. Do you know the way I wouldn't have spent omnipotence? I wouldn't have spent it by humbling myself. Would you? Humbleness. Obedience. And death. That's the way Jesus chose to spend his omnipotence. And a slave's death at that. you again of what Paul told us at the beginning of this section? Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Are you grasping the profoundness of what Paul is telling us? And then, verses 9 through 11, Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I want to go back and read that again and just listen to this. Therefore, look at verse 9. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. Now, you could ask yourself, and again, this is where gallons of ink have been spent. What is the name that God gave to Jesus Christ that is the name above every other name? Is that an actual name or is God just referring to Jesus? I, there are more than one way, there are more than one opinion about this, but let me suggest something that I think is interesting. If you keep reading, look at the next verse. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Now, here's the thing. The first time that Lord is used is right there. The name that God gave to Jesus Christ that is above every other name is Lord. Lord. I think... Again, there's possible different readings of this, but I think it makes sense. Jesus Christ is Lord, and if you read that all through Paul, Paul says, you know, God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. He says that in like almost every one of his letters, as the Greek to the letter. You know, we give our praise and honor to, to God the Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. I think Lord is the name that God gave, the title that God gave to Jesus. To be exalted. And then this whole idea of every, every knee will bend. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ has the ultimate name. And we're supposed to imitate his attitude. I told you that the natural way that all human beings operate is to get advantage over others. To dominate others. That's our natural inclination. But in Jesus, think about Jesus. Jesus had the power to humble everybody in his path. He had the power to exalt himself in such a way that everybody would, would have to humble themselves. 
but instead he chose the opposite. And then God did exalt him. But do you notice how that's the other way around? Do you see that? This is profound. And an interesting note that I want to bring up. When Paul said this every time confessed that Jesus is Lord, that has an echo from the Old Testament. If you look at Isaiah chapter 45, verses 22 through 24, listen, I think it's really likely that when Paul penned these words in Philippians, it's really likely that he was looking at Isaiah 45, 22 through 24. Turn to me and be saved, all you ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. By myself I have sworn, my mouth has uttered in all integrity a word that will not be revoked. Before me every knee will bow, by me every tongue will swear. They will say of me, in the Lord alone are righteousness and strength. All who have raged against him will come to him and be put to shame. Paul is saying that God the Father extended the title of Lord, and now that passage in Isaiah applies to Jesus Christ. But here's what's really fun. This isn't the only place that Paul quoted Isaiah 45-23. And if we look at the other place where he quoted this, it brings illumination to what we've learned in Philippians. Turn to Romans chapter 14, verse 11, and listen to this. It is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me and every tongue will confess to God. So here in Romans, Paul is again quoting from Isaiah 45. But this is the cool thing. Look what Paul says next in Romans. So then, each of us will give an account of himself to God. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in your brother's way. Do you understand, going back to Philippians, the humbleness of Christ, the attitude of Christ, who had all power and could have dominated, chose humbleness. And that humbleness in us, it goes right back to what Paul says in Philippians. We're supposed to put others above ourselves. Our attitude Regardless of our status, regardless of our power, regardless of what we can do, our attitude should always be to put others before ourselves. Our attitude should be as Christ. We should be different than the rest of the natural inclinations of the world. When everybody else seeks advantage, we should seek loss for the sake of those around. This does not match what our country espouses as the American dream. This does not match the idea of success as defined in our society. This does not match. And I think our society reflects a complete loss of joy because of it. We have been led to believe that our joy will be found in the accumulation of possessions. What does it mean to accumulate possessions? To get for myself 
at the expense of another. Now, just let this sink in for a second. If our attitude is like Christ, should our goal not be to humble ourselves? To put others before ourselves in everything that we do? Not to lift ourselves up? Not to demand our rights, but to give our rights away freely? What rights do we have as Christians, as followers of Jesus? right to die for others. The right to give up advantage. <clears throat> this is a hard teaching. The right to sacrifice. The right to suffer. So that others might be alleviated from their suffering. We have the right to do those things and it goes against what we think is happiness. I'm suggesting we have lost our happiness because we've lost our attitude of Jesus Christ. Happiness, let me say it again, joy, is found when we give up what we think will bring us happiness. That idea of dominating others, of Getting the advantage. Joy is found when we give up the advantage. Joy is found when we humble ourselves and not exalt ourselves. There is a connection, you see, between imitating Christ and putting the needs of others before our own. There is a connection between having the attitude of Christ and how we interact with other Christians. Those two things are connected. See, Jesus presents us with the alternative to our natural tendency to dominate others and to seek advantage over others. Jesus is the solution to that. The solution is adopt Jesus' attitude. He had everything and chose to humble himself for us. Joy seems difficult, doesn't it? And all that we are told all the time is that what I've just said is wrong. We are told all the time. And so I leave you with this today. I leave you with a passage of scripture that I hope you will take to heart. And it's not on the screen, but I think it's worth talking about. Very good. Psalm 86, verse 4 says, Bring joy to your servant, for to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. Do you understand? joy to your servant. You can ask for it. Lord God, I ask that you would bring joy to us. But I ask with the full understanding 
that what that means is that we develop Christ's attitude. Joy can be found and we can ask for it with the recognition that humbleness, humbleness of, of, the, of the infinite kind, a humbleness in which you gave up everything, you gave up omnipotence for humbleness and for even suffering and death. And then joy is found. Oh Lord God. Oh Lord God. May we be reminded again that our attitude should be like Jesus Christ. May we give up the advantage. May we be humble. May we find joy.